Thanks, Beth, for those, that wonderful prayer. So it's great to be with you today. It really is good to be with you. Um, and uh, just get myself comfortable. And what I, I, you were talking about talents, on, on, and it has to be finger-related, right? Is that right? So I am double-jointed in my thumbs. So I don't know whether... I've started well. Shall I go now? <laughs> um, well, tonight it can only be up from there. So tonight we're going to look at a passage that was written nearly 2,000 years ago by Paul to a small group of Christians who lived in the most prestigious, affluent city in the Roman Empire. But it was also a city, it was Corinth, and it, but it was also so corrupt and morally bankrupt. And right within that, society, that city, right in the heart there was this group of Christians, a small group of men and women and children who were trying to live their lives very differently from those people around them, trying to work out what it meant to be Christian, how they were actually going to live life differently, how they would make decisions, how they would decide what is right and what is wrong, how they would show love for each other and even those around them who, as I said, lived their life in very different ways. So maybe this is one situation back there in Corinth that we can connect with, knowing that where we go, Monday to Saturday, we can be very different from those people around us who live their lives maybe by a different philosophy, whether that's in school, university, work, or with our friends or family. So in this passage we're going to look at tonight, Paul challenges them back in Corinth and us in Claygate today on how the body of Christ works together. And he compares us as a church with the human body, whether that's us in Claygate or in Corinth. So it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Please feel free to have your Bibles open if you'd like. Um, either electronic on your phone or physical. If you'd like a Bible, stick up your hand and John will sprint out and deliver you a Bible. Or not. Can't see him sprinting just yet, but uh, he will. So do go on, somebody test him. Put your hand up. Get him to run out to you. <laughs> so if you've found it in the Bible app, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's verse 17 and 18, and then verse 27. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. So Paul says that we are the body of Christ and each one of us is a, is a part of it. What did Paul mean? What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about us as church. Christians encouraging and helping each other and living and loving those around them who don't know Jesus. Doing what Jesus did when he was on earth before returning to heaven. We are his hands and feet and his heart and also his tears here on earth. That's what it means to be church, sharing his love, his encouragement with each other, 
and helping each other to follow him. Because following Jesus can be tough, especially when all around us may be lived to very different standards. So Paul's words here show us just that God designed each part of the human body to carry out different functions. Similarly, he has made each of us different, not to make life difficult, rather to, so that we can help each other doing something that we find easy for someone who finds the same thing hard. Each one of us has been created uniquely. Each one of us has a unique set of attributes and characteristics. The God of the universe has lovingly, carefully made you for himself. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about different things, different things that affect the way we're shaped. So last week, we had Holly talking to us about experience and how experience shapes us, how our experience in the past, our many experiences influence and affect deeply how we respond to future events. Let me give you an example. When I was nine, my dad died following a short illness, and I miss him deeply. I remember him really quite well. I remember really fun times with him, but I also remember times which weren't so much fun. I remember, and I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, I remember being told off by him. I told you it was hard to believe. Losing my dad at that age has, I'm sure, affected how I am a dad. But you'll have to ask Beth about that one. There you go, giving it away. Um, remember last week when we were thinking about our experiences through life, Holly got us to visualize our lives being like a corridor. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Put your hands up if you remember it being a corridor. And where did, I only heard her talk online. I didn't see where she pointed. She visualized there was a corridor down here, was it, in her talk? It was on the screen. Okay, so imagine the start of our life down there and then the end moving along here. So she had us visualize this corridor and as we moved through our life, experiencing different things, different doors would open or close and it would shape us. Well, tonight we're going to think about two more of those letters in that word shape that dramatically influence how we see life and how we interact with others. Thank you. And that is P and A of shape. And the P stands for personality and A for ability. If experience is what happens along the corridor of our life, personality is what happens at the very start. Listen to these great verses from Psalm 139 from the Message Translation. It says... Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You are breathless. You are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. Listen to this. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. 
You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculptured from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Isn't that amazing? God made us and knows us and loves us. He cares for us. And he cared for us and loved us even before we were born. As well as knowing every bone in our body, he knows exactly too how our brains are made. How our personality was formed before we were even born. Whether we are funny or more serious, extrovert or introvert, energetic or more calm, have a tendency to be optimistic or pessimistic. Whether we love to be busy or we like to take life a little slower. Or whether we love to be with a crowd of people or more like to be on our own or with just one special friend. Also, whether we naturally love to create our own music or have no musical talent. I, for one, have no musical talent at all. And I want to give you a little story demonstrating that. Well, in school when I was 10, um, I was, thought I'd join the guitar club. I was so bad. Actually, we were all awful. And I really feel sorry for the teacher because I think at the start of term, he committed to the headmaster that we were going to do a concert, well, just one piece, in uh, assembly at the end of term. The date came closer and closer, and the song was that great school favourite of the time. It was the 70s. Um, and it's not very PC. It was, what shall we do with the drunken sailor? Luckily, and I had to look this up just to prove I'm not musical, it has three chords, A, D, and G, and there's some minors and little M marks and things like that, but I'm not sure about that. Um, well, we still couldn't change quite fast enough, so the poor teacher got us to hold our fingers on, split us into three groups, and some of us hold A, some of us D, and some of us G. And then what he would do as the song went along, he just basically played us. What should we do with a drunken sailor? What should we do with a drunken sailor? And that was the peak of my musical career. But I really appreciate music. I love music. I listen to music all the time. And I appreciate other people's talent and ability. So when we are born right up there at the start of the corridor, we have a whole load of natural characteristics, our personality, and a whole load of natural skills, our abilities. Each of these parts of our personalities wrestle inside us to work out how to react to any particular situation. And when we layer on top of these traits our experiences that happen through our life, each day we are calculating exactly how we should respond to particular situations. Each of us with our own unique makeup psychologically and experience-wise may come up with a different way of reacting to the same situation. Even more so, we were, when we, for maybe one reason, our emotion is not in a very good place. Maybe we are sad. I have a, a clip to show you right now from a Disney film called Inside Out. Many of you will know it. In this clip, we get a glimpse into what is going on in the heads of a mum and her daughter. 
The problem is in this clip that we're about to see, Joy is missing from the daughter, and some of the other parts of her try to make up for that missing Joy. Riley's acting so weird. Why is she acting so weird? Well, how do you expect? All the islands are down. Joy would know what to do. That's it. Until she gets back, we just do what Joy would do. Great idea. Anger, fear, disgust. How are we supposed to be happy? Hey, Riley, I've got good news. I found a junior hockey league right here in San Francisco. And get this, tryouts are tomorrow after school. What luck, right? Hockey. Uh-oh, what do we do? Guys, uh, this, uh, here, you, you pretend to be Joy. Wouldn't it be great to be back out on the ice? Oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. What was that? That wasn't anything like Joy. Uh, because I'm not Joy? Yeah, no kidding. Did you guys pick up on that? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. sure Something's wrong. Should we ask her? Let's probe, but keep it subtle so she doesn't notice. So, how was the first day of school? She's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay. Um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. <laughs> Notice how the mom and dad are constantly processing and analyzing what's going on in the other person and also trying to understand how best to respond. The daughter trying her hardest to hide that she's not joyful. How they respond to each other is driven by their own personality and how they're feeling right at that time and their prior experiences. As we go through life trying to make different strategies work out, working out what works and what doesn't, we refine our tactics. So if you're anything like me, we spend much of our days, so many of our interactions, hiding our true feelings, trying to work out these strategies rather than just being honest with each other. How much effort do we spend being someone that we are not as we interact with others? How much do we pretend to be maybe the people that we think people want us to be rather than the people we are? Or even we pretend to be able to do the things we can't. Now, there are times when it's not right to share everything with everyone. We need to be appropriate in how much we share. However, so often, I think we even try and hide our true selves from ourselves. We, hide, we, don't, we, we don't confront our own emotions within ourselves. We even try and hide our true feelings from God himself, which when you think about it, is just so daft. From that reading from Psalm 139, we heard, God knows me inside and out. He knows every bone in my body. He knows exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculptured from nothing. Why do we do that? Even in our prayers, as we're talking with our all-knowing, our all-loving Heavenly Father, even then, why aren't we really honest with him? We're only hiding it from ourselves. In our prayers, let your heart cry out to your loving Heavenly Father. He longs for you to commune with him at a really raw level, sharing your inner emotions with him, all your troubles and your joys. Then we come to this place, and we too continue often to play a part. As you came in today, did anyone say to you, how are you? And you might have said, oh, I'm fine. Well, are you? Are you really fine? If not, 
then why don't we share with each other here in this place? Why don't we maybe say, well, actually, things are quite tough at the moment. Could we talk or could we pray together? If that's you, when you came in and you wanted to say, no, things are not good, then can I recommend that after the service you come up for prayer ministry? Our prayer ministers would love to pray with you. Or if uh, when asked, how are you? You said, oh, I'm fine. But actually you wanted to say, I'm brilliant. Something really exciting has happened. Then also come for prayer ministry because we'd love to pray for you a prayer of thankfulness, praising our God for his kindness. Either way, prayer ministry is there for each one of us. Each of these personality traits have both weaknesses and strengths. Even a single personality trait can have its own strength and weakness. It may be that you're an amazing, loving, sensitive person who really feels for others. This is obviously wonderful to really be able to appreciate how other people are feeling and how to help them. However, that same characteristic in a different situation can mean that that same sensitivity can be used by others to make fun of you. Being sensitive makes it so much easier to be hurt. How sensitive or insensitive we are can help in some situations, but not in others. We are all made wonderfully and differently. And I think understanding our weakness as well as our strengths is just as important. And this is what our passage is saying. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. We all need each other. Our strengths can help other people's weaknesses. And in our weaknesses, we need other people's strengths. Weaknesses aren't necessarily something to get rid of. I know that I will never be a musician, and that's okay. Your job is okay, Thomas. But I love to hear other people play and sing, and I love to sing down there. There's another great psalm, Psalm 100, which says in an older translation, make a joyous noise unto the Lord. I'm so glad it doesn't say make a musical, beautiful, harmonic sound to the noise, a joyful noise to the Lord. So if you're sitting next to me later, I apologize in advance for my voice, but I will not apologize because it's biblical. I am making a joyous noise to the Lord. So sing up, whether you can sing harmoniously or not. So in so many ways, actually, it's brilliant that none of us are made with everything perfect. Just as God placed the different parts of the body to do different things, to do each of their separate tasks. So we too are called to be good at what we're good at and to rely on others for what we're not good at. There is nothing new here. All through the Bible, again and again, those people that we might think of as Bible heroes were actually far from it. They certainly had their weaknesses, things that they thought would have excluded them from the plan God had for them, or so they thought. Here are just a few examples. There was Abraham, who thought he was far too old. 
There was Elijah who was suicidal. There was Job who went bankrupt. There was Moses who had a speech impediment. There was Gideon who was afraid. There was Samson who was a womanizer. There was Rahab who was a prostitute, a Samaritan woman who was divorced, Noah who was a drunk. Jeremiah thought he was far too young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Jesus three times. Martha worried about everything. Zacharias was small and money hungry. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Paul was a Pharisee who persecuted Christians before becoming one. And yet, friends, God used each and every one of these men and women. He chose them. Each one had their doubts, worried about whether God had chosen well. Each was really honest with God, not pretending to be somebody they weren't. Take Moses, for example. God had promised that he would rescue his people from slavery under the Pharaoh and bring them out of Egypt. God sends Moses to see, see Pharaoh. But before he could go, Moses nervously says to God, look at me, I stutter. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? God says, you are to speak everything I command you and your brother Aaron will tell it to Pharaoh. Then he will release, will release the Israelites from his land. So God has them to go together, playing to each of their strengths the strengths that God had given to these two brothers. Moses would work out what to say, and Aaron, who had the stronger voice, would say it. God's plan is good. We heard last week from Romans chapter 8, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So know that God has a plan for you, for every single one of you, he has uniquely shaped you, and he takes our personalities, our abilities, and our experiences, and calls us uniquely, calls us uniquely, and gives us, after that, a passion, a heart for something particular in one area of his kingdom, one area where he can show his love for his people through you but I get ahead of myself. There's more on that next week as we look at the heart that God places in us.